There is only one question that matters. Do you swear on your life that what you say is true? My father told me my life would be blessed with good fortune. I'm married. I was a good wife. And then was judged and shamed by my country. I say before all of you, I spoke the truth. A most unspeakable charge has been brought against you. Chocolagree entered our home. He attacked me. The accusation is false. I am telling the truth. The truth does not matter. There is only the power of men. This should be settled quietly. I'm innocent! I request a duel to the death. If you lose, your wife will suffer dire consequences. One of us has lied. Let us let God decide. You do not believe me. I am risking my life for you. You are risking my life so you can save your bride. that you are to be burned alive I will not be silent and welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And we're on the eve of another Marvel movie this week, and the third MCU movie, or technically fourth if you count Venom, but that's not part of the MCU, and the geeks and the marks won't count it as, as one, so technically the third MCU movie of the year, Eternals, opening this Friday. And uh, I have some thoughts in terms of what I think it's going to do box office-wise, I think I'm going to try to talk about it. Um, I've been really hesitant on doing a lot of box office stuff just because, you know, I'm I'm really enjoying this wave that I'm on right now, especially at work with, with the success of Venom and Halloween Kills and, um, you know, No Time to Die. Uh, My Hero Academia did good numbers for us this weekend. But with Eternals, I'm kind of like scratching my head. And I know Shang-Chi was a huge hit, but again, that was September and there was nothing around it to really give it any competition. Yeah, you had Free Guy, but that had already kind of had its run and the the stuff 
like at the very end of summer wasn't really all too spectacular. You know, the the Suicide Squad bombed, and you know, a couple of kids' movies that nobody really cared about. Paw Patrol eh, did fizzled out. So Shang Chi really had everything by itself. It was on its own little island. So yes, it was able to dominate for weeks and and have a huge opening. But now there's just a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of alternatives and a lot of other big stuff that's still there, including Venom and No Time to Die, which are still sticking around because they're theater exclusive. So the, uh, Eternals has a really tough uh, journey ahead of it with really like other things around it that you can watch, including, at least for the theaters that, that are still showing it, The Last Duel, which is going to be the main event of this show. I checked that out. What a freaking spectacular movie uh spoilers yes i liked it a lot but you'll get my official review later on uh, in the show so yeah just a lot of stuff so i guess if i'm gonna try to make a prediction for this movie i guess i'm looking at you know people have got it as high as like in the 80s and 90s i don't know i'm thinking high 55 low 60s plus it's very long that's kind of one of the things that I think hurt the uh, No Time to Die, even though I, I think it's considered a success, um, was the fact that it was basically almost three hours uh, with previews and all that stuff, if you account for all that. Um, so that kind of hurt its box office a little bit, and, and its returns haven't really been as high as like a Venom or a, or a Shang-Chi where the, it's just sticking around. I mean, it still is, but not, not, but not as high as you would think. And I think that has length has a lot to do with it. And I think that's a lot of the reason why Venom has had a lot of staying powers because it's such a quick watch. You're not spending like hours upon hours in a theater uh, just sitting there watching something on the screen, which is why it's kind of been hard for me to to catch up with a lot of this stuff. You know, I'm still trying to find time to go watch No Time to Die. I finally caught The Last Duel, which opened what, on October 15th? I'm recording this right at the start of November. That movie is also very long in itself, but again, with movies like that, I can, you know, let the running time kind of uh be um you know, it's an it's a it's an exception to the rule because with movies like this, I want story, I want plot, I want development of characters, I want dialogue. So, I'm okay with all that. It's a it's a medieval epic from Ridley Scott. So, that's the exception to the rule. And and there's a lot of movies with that exception. But with you know, something like James Bond and, and your even the Marvel movies where they're just so damn long. And uh, Eternals, for a non-Avengers uh, first-time uh, introduction to these characters, this movie's going to be running at about 2 hours and 50 minutes with previews. So, again, you're almost looking at 3 hours. So, for those of you that think, and the experts that have it like in the high 80s, 90s, I mean... Yes, I know Marvel's a sure thing, but also, like, length does play a factor. Uh, a couple years ago, It Chapter 2 came out, and that was also, again, like, at the 2-hour and 30-minute mark or close to 3 hours, something like that. And everybody had it making, like, 100-plus million, thinking it was going to be, like, Avengers Endgame. But, again, Endgame was an outlier. It was considered a finale. So, yes, there was a huge buildup for it. But I knew with the length of it, I was like, the box office is going to get hurt. And, it, and it, it did, like, dramatically. And that movie fizzled out pretty quickly, too. wasn't as hugely successful as the first one, even though that one was kind of long, too. But the second one, uh, for for it, was damaged by by the length. So I'm thinking here that's going to have a lot to do with it. And also the early word on it is that 
it's not one it's probably the lowest rated um i know i don't, I don't go by rotten tomatoes but right now on rotten tomatoes it's the lowest rated i think mcu movie of all time and uh and, and not that it's like the worst thing because it's still like relatively positive in all of its reviews but it's the lowest rated so you know i don't care about that stuff i still see a movie regardless of the fact but i got a thing in terms of the actual movie goer and um you know they they look at that stuff you know i i've seen it so many times when i've been on a register or around you know customers and they're like oh what, what did this movie get on Rotten tomatoes and they're looking up at their phone real quick before they purchase tickets so that does factor in so it's got that working against it and of course length once people find out like hey like you know i get questions that work like hey when does this end or what time should i come pick up my kid and you see you tell them what the length is they're like whoa that's freaking long so you know everyone's time is precious these days so i don't know that, that might affect it so i'm gonna keep it um conservative mid 50s early 60s and even then that's that's pretty super high for a movie that again doesn't have a lot of star power in it probably more star power than shang chi but again that one was built up more as an action epic you know just a lot of kung fu-ish like style act like a gi joe but obviously a lot better um eternals i don't know how to read this movie like the color palette's weird it's very bland uh nothing about it is really popping of course you're gonna get your diehards that are gonna go see it they're you know, typical mcu geeks they're gonna go see it and they're gonna like it and they're gonna think it's the greatest thing ever you know you can't change their minds on that so i don't doubt that it's gonna make money this week and it's gonna be number one but the question is with other alternatives still out there you know halloween still kicking butt at our theater you know venom's still there um what else there's something coming out against the the dwayne johnson ryan reynolds netflix movie with gal gadot red notice is gonna have a limited run with us this weekend how's that gonna do i think it'll do well at my theater you know ryan reynolds and dwayne johnson have kind of become little surefire box office hits so whatever they put out people are interested in it so they're the the marketing's there for it limited um but uh and of course it's going to be on netflix in a few weeks so maybe people don't really know about it but if people are walking up to our theater which a lot of people do it's a lot of walk-ups they're gonna be like hey look an action comedy buddy comedy with the rock and ryan reynolds like that's uh in any other year before streaming before COVID, all of that like that's an easy sell you know with an attractive female in the lead in gal gadot like that's an easy sell this movie would make a hundred million dollars at the box office i don't know if in that first weekend but it'll definitely make a lot of money we're in different times now so that movie is not as an easy of a sell because it's not anymore about the movie star it's about the the ip about the franchise it's about the it's about the subject matter not really who's in it um there's some outliers for that but for the most part that's that's what it is now um so that that could play a factor we do get a lot of walk-ups so they, they could see that and be like hey we want to check this out instead hey it's only two hours or whatever and not almost three cool i can live with that let me choose this over eternals now i'm not saying red notice is going to have like some big impact um but i'm just saying there's alternatives now shang chi didn't have any competition so it was all by itself and everybody yes went to go see it and then a lot of repeat viewings because there was nothing for like weeks and weeks and weeks until venom came out so yeah a lot of factors going against it and um I want to circle away from that uh, from that topic. Um, 
Rocky Four, Rocky versus Drago, the ultimate director's cut, which is coming in nine days, folks. I'm super stoked, super excited about this. Um, I wanted to talk about what I've been watching on YouTube recently. So Stallone had teased on Instagram that he was going to be putting out like little videos of behind the scenes footage of him putting together this cut of Rocky Four. And I thought, cool, like I'm I'm a super film buff about that. I love the editing process, even though it's super tedious as shit. Like if you don't have patience, if you don't have any type of like, you know, stickler for the little details, and if you've always wanted to get into like filmmaking and think it's like so easy and think it's just like, oh, you point the camera at somebody and they act like no, it ain't like that at all. There's like a whole process for it. There's different angles. There's different, you know, shots, all this and that. So as I was uh, stumbling across YouTube, as I was watching like just, you know, my typical physical media stuff, wrestling, you know, whatever. Um, apparently the whole documentary got like, I don't know, either uploaded or somebody pieced it together. And it's about an hour and a half. And it's Stallone through a majority of 2020 editing this thing in some building in Los Angeles. You know, you see him with the mask and all that stuff. Pretty much like an empty building. And he's going through this whole process. And we're seeing a lot of the new footage that's going to be incorporated into this cut of Rocky Four. And I'm like, man, like, what incredible, like, the process, right? Like, you know, people like to give Stallone flack. And, you know, he's not a good actor. He's, you know, his movies are trash, you know, whatever. And you can make it an argument for all that stuff, whatever. Art is subjective, right? But to flat out, like, discredit him and think he doesn't have any type of talent, I urge anybody that if you want to learn more about the process of movie making and how it's not that simple, watch this little mini documentary that was made. And it's Stallone going through every piece of, like, film negative that was shot for Rocky Four. And incorporating stuff and taking stuff out. It's just all these meticulous little things. And it's so detailed. And it's so like Stallone is such a perfectionist. Like I I love him already, right? He's one of my favorite actors of all time. You know, he's such an inspiration for me. But if I was looking on this as as an outsider and not a fan, like I would say like Mal, look, that's that's that takes a lot of time and effort and uh you know a lot of creative vision so you know stallone's an artist you know and i'll give him his props for that it's so amazing so again i urge you to if you stumble across this on youtube just take a couple of minutes there's there's so many different scenes of him going through all of this and you know just all these little things like there's a you know for example in the rocky drago fight there's a scene that he sees where like oh man that punch looks like dumb and out of place take it out or shoot it from a different angle give me a different angle of this shot and it's just so detail oriented and i know that movie's only an hour and a half and you think it's like nothing and like ah for those of you that don't like stallone and don't like the rocky movies or whatever and think it's just like eh, there's nothing to it like man there's really a lot that goes into into the movie making process and i'm you know guilty of it myself you know i judge and critique movies and you know i'll say some stuff is bad on certain stuff but you know i do overall respect the process and how hard it is to make a film and i've been in the editing process you know i i'm not saying i'm I'm a professional filmmaker but i've been there you know i've done the you know moving the mouse around and moving a scene from here to there and adjusting and you know cutting it just tight and i'm telling you if you don't have the patience and it's very tedious work so i i urge all you young filmmakers that are that think it's just an easy process trust me go through the real deal 
And then if you really want to like get to the nuts and bolts of everything, sit it in editing process. And then you'll find out if this is really for you. Because I promise you, um, it is not easy. It's well worth the wait, right? Once the product is finished and you got everything the way you want. But doing the process is incredible work. So I enjoyed that. And I can't wait to see the finished product in nine days. I want to get to check that out with Daniel Tucker. Um, both huge Rocky fans. And hopefully I, I can get him on to do the podcast afterwards and we can discuss you know, whether we like the new cut, what we, you know, enjoyed about the, the new scenes that were added or whatever. And whether whether it was needed or not doesn't matter. You know, this is a movie from like almost 40 years ago. So as fans, you know, we're rewarded with this incredible cut that Stallone is going to offer us. You know, and, and I think good fans that are true, like good fans and don't like hammer the artist and hammer studios or whatever like give us this give us that and we're rewarded with stuff like this like i never thought in my wildest dreams i would be getting to revisit rocky 4 in a theater for the first time ever um with a new brand new cut like <laughs> i wasn't i was merely like a little kid when these movies were coming out so getting to see this on the big screen is, is going to be a big deal for me because the rocky movies have been a staple of my childhood so i'm so looking forward to this and specifically getting to watch it with daniel tucker who's also a huge rocky fan and it's one of his biggest inspirations as far as him being a filmmaker and all that stuff so that's coming up in about nine days what else is going on a new trailer for the movie morbius came out today which i totally forgot existed and i've been super harsh on this movie and sorry for those of you that are fans of jared leto and are excited for this movie but i just think like oh like it looks a lot of these comic book movies it's a line in the entourage movie where they say man sometimes they just start to blend together and they look the same um uh it looks okay like it looks definitely a lot more it sold me more as opposed to that first trailer that came out but again i don't like the dark color palette that this movie's going for and i get that's the world and that's the character and all that stuff but you kind of already got this similar color pattern with Venom. And yes, they're trying to establish this Spider-Man world because, yes, Sony does own the rights to Spider-Man, even though he's being used in the Disney Mar Marvel Cinematic Universe. But for the, but Sony, for the most part, still owns everything about Spider-Man. So they're trying to do their own thing. There's a lot of nods and Easter eggs. And the movie comes out in January. This movie was supposed to come out a very long time ago. And it's got ties into the Spider-Man being played right now by Tom Holland. You know, Michael Keaton's in it. There's references to Venom and all that stuff. So, again, they're getting that world ready. And uh, if I'm being honest, I'm more excited for Tom Holland's Spider-Man to be involved in in this world, like this little cinematic world, as opposed to what's going on with Disney and all that stuff. Because that's kind of like becoming too bland, even though they're about to introduce the multiverse. But, again, with all that stuff, there's no stakes and, you know, people die and come back or... You know, whatever different versions, like oh, like that's that's gonna get boring after a while. In terms of a movie, in terms of stakes and all that stuff. But if you want to get wild and wacky with it, like Venom, a lot of people don't like the movie. They think it's trash. I think it's fun trash. Where it's like where these movies used to be like that. You can just enjoy it for what it is and then forget about it. Like it's not meant to have you think like oh, like you know, like these MC movies. They try to be sometimes a little bit more philosophical than they need to be like it's a comic book just have fun with it like there's no need to make it all serious like it worked for the infinity stuff and 
end game and all that stuff was emotional, tying up with characters and all that stuff. Like, cool. Like, they had that little arc. It was don't like, but just go back to it being like fun. Like, Venom, let there be carnage was. It was just fun trash. And, uh, yeah, have them interact with this version of Spider Man. And I'm more down for that than the multiverse stuff that's going to be happening in the MCU. But, yeah, other than that, not much more in terms of like new trailers and stuff like that. So let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll get to my movie of the week, which has been out already four weeks. But again, I'm catching up with you guys. So when we come back, I'll be talking about Ridley Scott's first of two new films. His second one coming out next month, House of Gucci with Lady Gaga, Pacino, Adam Driver, Jeremy Irons. I'm looking forward to that one as well. But I'll talk about his first one, The Last Duel, starring Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, and the tremendous, beautiful Jodie Comer. Uh, that's coming up next on Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. The people of this planet brought half the universe back with a snap of a finger. On November 5th. They need us now. The end. Eternals assembled. Was just the beginning. Marvel Studios Eternals. 3PT13. Get tickets now. Welcome back to the show. And again, Eternals opening in theaters this Friday. The next Marvel Cinematic Universe installment. Starring, I guess, Angelina Jolie, even though she doesn't look like the main star. A lot of newcomers. Brian Tyree Henry, who I love from Atlanta. Um, If anything, he's the one I'm looking forward to watching uh, on this big screen and see what he does for this chapter. I mean, I'm going to see it, but it's also a question of when. Also, like, this isn't must-see for me. I mean, it took me a while to see Shang-Chi, so we'll see when I get to this. Again, these movies aren't. This next phase of the Marvel movies, like, there's only a couple where, like, I have to see that, like, opening day or whatever. And that's Thor, Love and Thunder, because it's got Christian Bale, and of course, Taika Waititi is back, uh, after doing a tremendous job with Thor Ragnarok, and just expanding and making the world a little bit different in, in the Thor aspect of things. So, I want to see where he, what he does next, and Natalie Portman's back, um... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, of course, I love all those characters. James Gunn did a fantastic job with the Suicide Squad, so uh, I'm ready to see what he does next uh, in the next chapter, which is supposed to wrap up that storyline with the Guardians, and who knows where it goes from there. Uh, so those are the ones, like, for sure, like those, I want to see opening day. But, you know, I mean, I, the multiverse thing is going to be fun. I'm not denying that. But, like, there's got to be stakes like, and I keep mentioning this, and friends give me shit for it. Like, they don't care or whatever. But for me as a moviegoer, like, stuff has to make sense. Like, stuff has to have a beginning, middle, and end. And if things in this multiverse, like, if this somehow leads into, like, Tony Stark somehow coming back and Robert Downey Jr. returning, like, that just makes everything that happened in Avengers Endgame, like, so meaningless. And I don't want moviegoing to become like that where... We're teaching the audience that stuff like that doesn't matter. We're like, ah, it doesn't matter. He's not really dead. He'll come back. No, like <laughs> the Dark Knight trilogy had a beginning, middle, and end. Like that journey of Bruce Wayne ended in that series. Like, yes, they're doing different versions of Batman, but that stuff continuously goes on. But the story that Christopher Nolan told for that world and that journey, like it had, it finished, it concluded. There's, there hasn't been anything since that thing ended in what, 2012? And I, I'm, not envisioning anything being you know worked on into that world ever again like it finished it concluded i like that like there's a finality to it like there was a fun ride with it but it it, it ended 
And that happens with everything. Like, with good shows, like, have an ending. You know, I just finished watching The Sopranos. That had a finish. Like, it was done. Like, they're... Yes, they had this prequel movie, but, you know... As far as, like, the end of The Sopranos journey of Anthony Soprano, like, that ended. And um, so, you know, we need that. We need to have that continue and not... And I know we're in a new world now where just... It's all about the content and all about making stuff more. Like, yes, if they brought back Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man... Would it make all the money in the world? Absolutely. Because that's all they care about now is making money and continuing to flush out content after content after content. Like, that's all that matters now. But uh, I, I love my stakes. And, um, yeah, stuff needs to matter. So, yeah, Doctor Strange into the multiverse or of madness or whatever it's going to be called. Like, yeah, it's going to be fun and wacky. But at the end, what is it going to mean if it's just the next little piece of puzzle for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing because it never ends and it just keeps going anyways that's a little off topic uh let's get to the main event of the show i went to check out the last duel last night finally got around to it although i'm so sorry ben affleck so sorry matt damon you guys are two of my absolute favorites in the world and it this came out the weekend of my birthday and you know when i was so tied up you know doing other things you know, with work and, 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 you know, other just important matters at hand. But I didn't forsake you guys. I knew at some point I had to get a, in a viewing of this, even though it flopped big time at the box office. All of you all, I'm so mad at the entire nation for not going to check this out. Because if this movie had come out in like 1998 or all the way up until pre-MCU Dark Knight, this movie would have been a huge hit at the box office. It's got movie stars. It's got a big time director. Uh, it's epic in its setting and, and its production. Like this is a big time movie, and it's it's weird because it's built up in its marketing and all that. Is this like action drama? But it's really more just of a character drama. Like yes, there's some little action pieces in it, including like in the climax. But for the most part, this is a two and a half hour character drama. And let me. Before I get into specifics on this movie, and I won't spoil the whole thing because it's still like really fresh, even though it may not be in theaters much longer. It may be on demand sooner rather than later. That's just the world we're in now because it didn't make enough money at the box office. Again, this is released by 20th Century Studios, which is owned by Disney. So Disney's going to have a lot to say in terms of screens available for it and how much longer it's going to have in the in the theaters before they just put it out to on demand and put it on the streamer or whatever. It won't be on Disney Plus, but it'll be out there. To purchase on your Voodoo and Apple and all that stuff. Um, this is, to me, the best movie of the year. I'm talking give it all the Oscar nominations. I'm talking best director for Ridley Scott, best picture, um, best actress for Jodie Comer, who carries the entire weight of this movie on her shoulders. She's tremendous. She's from the show Killing Eve, which I've never seen. Probably never will, but she is just so incredible in this movie and is so conflicted. There's a lot that goes on with her in this movie in terms of like her eyes. Like she does a lot of the acting with her eyes and it isn't until really like the third act of the movie where like, holy shit, she kicks it into high gear and you see her character really fleshed out. Um, and, and the interesting part of this movie and on the smarts of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, who returned together for the first time, not only on screen, but also writing together. They wrote, they co-wrote this script together, but they got a female involved for the female aspect of it because, um, I guess it's not really spoilers, but this movie does tackle the subject of rape, uh, 
and it's very sensitive and it's still it's very relevant to everything that's going on in today's society with the me too movement and, and all this stuff of of women speaking out against atrocious acts like that and harassment and all that stuff so it's a it's a movie set in like the medieval times and and all that stuff but it's still uh a movie that's very relevant to now and it's very up to date so it's it's crazy how it d- doubles in that factor so yes they co-wrote it together but they brought in a female writer I forgot what her name was to to do those parts of the movie like in in any other time before the me too movement you'd probably have Ben Affleck and Matt Damon completely write this entire script and not get a female's perspective on things cuz you want to get that female's perspective right especially if it's a subject involving rape and how she's dealing with it so the brilliance of this movie is that it's told from three different angles. So the story is uh, Matt Damon, who's married to the Jodie Comer character, and you know he's trying to provide for her and, and all this stuff. And he's kind of like friends, but kind of like little rivals with the Adam Driver character, and they work for the king. Um, and Adam Driver is more closer with uh, Ben Affleck's character named Pierre, and he's got a lot more power, so he's got a lot more going on with him. And it's told from three different perspectives. So it's told from Matt Damon's point of view. Uh, it's told from Adam Driver's point of view. And then, of course, in the final act, it's told by Jodie Comer's point of view. And that's where the movie like really, really gets intense. Um, but overall, the movie is just super fantastic and well-made. Ridley Scott has not lost his touch one bit. Like He is so good at this type of filmmaking. And I'll, I, I, I'm one to say, like, these type of movies are not my deal. And I've talked about this with my mom, and she'll bring up, you know, she loves those, uh, the movies like Emma and stuff like that. Stuff set in that time, and like, uh, can't get into that. Can't get into the Queen's Gambit, the Crown. This is stuff that's like very medieval and, you know, British and stuff like that. I, I don't know. It just, not that I hate on it, but it, you got to really sell me on it. And what better way to sell me than to have Affleck and Damon and Driver? And Ridley Scott at the helm, you know, I had I had just seen Braveheart a few months ago, and I was like, man, I'm aching for a movie like this again. And then the trailer came out for this, and I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I need. Because when I first heard that they, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were reuniting, and this was going to be the subject, and, and the era that it was going to take place, I'm like, oh, no, like, this, this may not be my cup of tea. But holy shit, I was entertained for a full, this movie's two and a half hours. It's not short, but again, it's told in three separate uh instances three different perspectives so there's a lot of like repeat scenes but told from like different angles and shot differently and acted differently so you get a lot of range here again it's a it's it's a very big production there's um you know the the fight scenes that they do show like there's a couple of battle scenes like it's people it's not cgi maybe the blood is but there's people there and, and it's great to see that still being done and you know i'm sure with something like a game of thrones where it's like a bigger battlefield i'm sure a lot of that is cgi'd um at least in the stuff that i've seen but this looked very very like this was made in the early 90s like a brave hard type a gladiator just a lot of like actual stunt people and, and doing the work and again it's it's a lot of character drama so there's great acting here from damon and driver um you know they're good as foils, but also kind of friends for some part during this movie. Again, I mentioned Jodie Comer should be nominated for Best Actress, but where I want to point all of my attention, Ben Affleck. Holy shit! This is probably one of his. I don't know if it's his greatest performance, but man, 
in the climate that we're in now, you know, with you know, there's not that much out there in terms of like, well, what are we what are we thinking about here for Oscars? He needs to be in the conversation for best supporting actor. Like, if he doesn't get nominated, like I'm gonna be like, man, this guy's just never gonna get nominated. Then he just has something a stigma on him because a lot of people don't think he's a good actor. You know, when you talk about Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, everybody points to Matt Damon being the better of the two. In terms of, like, a filmmaker, we, we've known that Affleck has shown that he's got the chops for it. You know, he did Argo, The Town, and, of course, he has the Oscars for Argo. Um, but people undervalue his acting ability. And I know I've had a lot of friends also that are like, oh, I don't, I don't know, Affleck in, a, in this type of movie? Trust me, I had the same concerns, uh, but he washes them away. The performance is so over the top in this movie. It's funny to to a point, like where where it shouldn't be sometimes, but it just is. And I mean that in a good way because there's a lot of movies where Al Pacino is doing like over the top characters. Even in the movie Heat, which is one of my all time favorite movies, Pacino's performance sometimes gets a little wacky and cartoonish. But it's so amazing because he's such a great actor. And to me, I think Affleck is doing like kind of the same thing. But you're also like marveling because he's so amazing in every scene that he's in. Like he stands out. He's electric. And uh, of course, we know his chemistry with Matt Damon is incredible. So every time they're sharing the screen together, like they're, you know, they're feeding off one another. And then him doing his scenes with Adam Driver. And, and Ben Affleck's not in like the entire movie, but in the scenes that he does come out in, like he's very effective. You're glued to it. It's not like, oh, it's him again. He's just there. Like, no, like he's, he pops. He stands out. And I think he's very deserving of a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Or I fucking riot. Just kidding. Um, I don't think it's on the level like where Stallone, where I was really, I really wanted him to get it for for Creed. Uh, I think that performance was a little more nuanced and 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 darker and just very, you know, it, it had all the makings of an Oscar. You know, give this guy the Academy Award. Affleck, it's more cartoonish. But not so much where you're like, this is ridiculous. Like, what is this guy doing in this movie? Like, no, it's it's good. Like, Affleck has range. And when you give him the opportunity, when you give him material, and of course he wrote it, co-wrote it. So, you know, he's very comfortable in the stuff that he's doing here. So, overall, this is, for me, the best picture of the year. It's going to be very hard to top. I know I mentioned earlier, Ridley Scott's got another movie coming out uh, in a couple of weeks, actually. House of Gucci. With Al Pacino and Lady Gaga and Adam Driver again. So Adam Driver is going to be going two for two here with Ridley Scott. So that may be an interesting movie. But the way this was done, everything was top notch. Again, production design, the sound, it was loud. Like this movie was really loud. Even though there's not a lot of action in it. Like the sound mixing was incredible. The acting is incredible. The script was awesome. I don't know if Affleck and Damon, and I forgot, again, I gotta find the name of, of the woman who also was part of the writing process in this. They, I think they should all get nominated. Again, this movie is so, like, Oscar bait, right? Like, we, I hate to use that term, but this movie, like, in a good way, has, like, all that Oscar bait that you want. It's got all the gravitas, and you've got movie stars at the helm of it. So, that's the beauty thing about it. It just, it's a very throwback, but again, all of the themes and the subject matter in the movie are very relevant to now. It's so awesome. If you have it available to you in a movie theater, go check it out on the biggest screen possible. Again, I always recommend it that way, but 
knowing that this movie did not do well at the box office, you're probably more than likely going to see it on streaming sooner rather than later. But either way, it's one of the best of the year. I can't wait to add it to my physical media collection, and I hope it gets a 4K release. Um, I thought it was just that good. Affleck and Damon just... It's a, why it, why they haven't done more movies together is bonkers to me because they're such a great team acting wise and of course writing like the writing is just top notch here two and a half hours and it's a lot of talking for the most part um, and it's freaking awesome Adam Driver is tremendous of course continues to rise in the ranks as one of the best actors in Hollywood today so everybody whiffed on this um, I was late to it only because of time and, 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 and work and all that stuff but I knew this was one of the ones that I had wanted to be, had wanted to see. It was on my top list, and it lived up to everything and then some. It's one of the best of, the, if not the best, movie of the year. And that is the last duel. And let's take a break. When we come back, uh, I'm going to be talking to you about what's upcoming next week on this show and the return of the '90s films turn 30. I'll talk a little bit more about that. This is Palace off the top rope. We'll be right back. I found this in my living room. Whoa. Your grandfather was a Ghostbuster. Somehow, a town with no fault line is shaking on a daily basis. Maybe it's the apocalypse. This isn't a temple, it's a gateway. What did we let out? The whole city? It's like the walking dead. Are you sure this is safe? <laughs> no. Ghostbusters Afterlife exclusively in theaters welcome back to the show guys and ghostbusters afterlife coming to theaters exclusively on november 19th um <laughs> i was having this conversation with roger trevino uh the other day his new song is out available on spotify now just on brave the elements search that up uh, he does a cover of josh abbott's uh amnesia song so check that out when you get a chance anyway cheap plug there um we were out to dinner the other night and we were talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. And we were both like, kind of like, well, how do we sell this movie? What do we tell people what it's about? Like the trailer doesn't really tell you much. And that's like a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I remember the last iteration of Ghostbusters was the all-female cast. And I enjoyed that one for what it was. Um, is it one of those rewatchables I can watch over and over? Probably not. But when I saw it the first time, I enjoyed it. It was fine. But there was a lot of backlash from... You know, a lot of toxic male fans of, like, the original Ghostbusters movies who just wanted nothing to do with this one. They pretty much condemned it. It didn't do well at the box office. I mean, it made some money, but not enough to to continue with that version of it. So with this version, you know, they went younger, got a young cast. This is looks more like Stranger Things and Super 8 and stuff like that, so... It's an easy sell. Stranger Things, obviously one of the biggest hits ever on Netflix, so people are aware of that. One of the major stars of the show is in this movie. I mean, he's still a kid. I forgot what his name is, but you know he's popular, so that probably will bring a lot of attendance for it. The biggest thing for me, and probably why, I mean, I'm going to see it, but what will probably make it the most fun for me is Paul Rudd, and he's usually pretty good in anything that he's in, and... Um, you know, as long as this movie doesn't take itself too seriously and he's he's very self-aware and all that stuff, if he brings that that form of comedy, as, if it's just him being Paul Rudd, I think I'm going to like this movie. But we'll see. You know, I really don't understand the whole Ghostbusters legacy. I mean, they had, like, what, one good movie? <laughs> Is that, like, too much of a hot take? 
because the sequel was, you know, whatever. And then, you know, it's just this franchise has been around for so long and been talked about and how they want to do Ghostbusters 3. And, you know, the cast members have aged, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray are so old now. Harold Ramis has passed away. Uh, I'm sure Ernie Hudson would come back. But I don't know. Um, I think uh, we'll see how Eternals does. But I, I think Ghostbusters for sure, with really nothing else in its way other than Disney's Encanto, which I think is going to do really well. Um, Ghostbusters really should dominate the Thanksgiving holiday. But anyways, that's coming November 19th. Um, and coming that exact that exact week is the return of my other spinoff show. I'm, I'm doing the SM Football Marks right now with Abraham Trevino. We're doing a lot of NFL stuff, so that's got a lot of my attention. But returning will be the 90s Films Turns 30 series. And I'm going to do a double feature of Beauty and the Beast, uh, that the classic animated Walt Disney picture movie that was one of like the first, I believe it was the first animated feature to be uh, put in the best picture category. You know, like that was a big, huge ba- deal back in the day. Nowadays, like we've, we've seen it plenty, but that was the first time like like that was ever done. So looking forward to revisiting that. Maybe I can get a co-host for that one. And I will be <laughs> doubling up that movie with Cape Fear, the Martin Scorsese remake with Robert De Niro. I've never seen it, and I actually picked it up. I found it um, thrifting the other day, so I found the VHS copy of it. So I'm going to look forward to watching that for the first time. And we'll see if it's aged well in its 30 years. So, again, that returns November 22nd. And, again, I'm trying to catch up on all my movies. So, next week, you'll for sure get my review of Eternals. I still need to catch No Time to Die. That's basically all that I have left as far as, like, catching up on all my movies. So, um, yeah, then we'll be all cut up and, and get ready for Thanksgiving. And then as we head into Christmas with The Matrix Resurrections and Spider-Man No Way Out. The two biggest movies probably of, of the December month. Um, and yeah, we'll see how Ghostbusters does and, and Kanto. And, you know, the box office has had a huge boost this fall season. So I'm glad that people are still, you know, coming out to the theaters and checking out these films. And, you know, a lot of them are just IP and big franchises. But, you know, if it keeps me in business, keeps me with a job, you know, I'm all for it. But anyways, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please check out The Last Duel. I don't know how much longer it's going to be in theaters. But if you don't, uh, if, you, if you aren't able to to find it at your local Cineplex, I think it's going to be out on, um, on Blu-ray and 4K in December. At least that was the last time I read up any news on that. But yes, that's going to do it. You can find this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. I would greatly appreciate it. I do share this podcast link through all my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the Podbean app. You can listen on there. Or if you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave me that five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Again, it just helps in the data and uh, gets more. it gets more notices notices and stuff like that so um still trying to grow this podcast and try to get better and better and uh, i don't know whatever content y'all are wanting me to cover leave it in the comments you know give me a good review bad review constructive criticism i'm all for it i'm all for that but that's going to do it for this week and we'll see you next week when i bring you my review of eternals so take it easy and god bless you